Hello and welcome to the Greg Fearon podcast with your host Greg Fearon and today I have the awesome Lindsay Newbold, nutritionist and also lover of all things endurance with me today. So we're going to shoot the breeze about nutrition, training and all sorts. So Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So just before we start, do you want to give everyone a background into who you are, what you do, where you come from and all of that? In between sure thing um so i'm from southampton so on the south coast of the uk um i've always been quite an active person like sort of childhood was football tennis karate kind of all that sort of stuff um kind of had a bit of a chilled period sort of in my 20s and then kind of got back into running when i met my boyfriend about 10 years ago he's a very very talented triathlete and i was like i wonder what i could do with running because i used to be quite quick as a kid so kind of got into the running, did some park runs, like the, you know, the free 5Ks on Saturday mornings, got the kind of the feel for the running, quite enjoyed it. And then, you know, ticking off the 10K, 10 mile, half marathon, marathon. Um, then got a bit bored of running. So kind of was like, oh, I'll have a go at cycling. So then had a go on my boyfriend's road bike and was like, yeah, this is cool. So then kind of brought that into essentially my week so yeah lots of running cycling over the past kind of five years I'd say kind of a lot more consistently but probably about eight years total with the running so quite a long long time now when I actually think back (laughs) awesome yeah there's a lot for me to cover in that little short bit (laughs) I'm going to come back to a few points but so just tell people what you do now like what's your yeah, sure. What's so, Lindsay's day job. So, what I do now is I'm a nutrition coach, and I specifically look after women who who love endurance sports. So, people that want to be doing, you know, marathons, triathlons, whatever their kind of goal is around endurance sport. Um, and typically, the women that I work with will have a bit of a weight loss goal too, um, just to you know make their running easier, you know, make it that more enjoyable is essentially what it's about. So that's what I do currently, and absolutely loving it. Awesome. So you look after the crazy women who want to run forever and ever. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> just so I'm clear. Yeah. Just clear. So in your in your practice, what are the kind of common themes and challenges that these ladies are coming with coming to you with? Cool. So I say the probably the biggest one is trying to lose weight whilst training for a particular event of you know X distance. Yeah. Um because obviously there's an energy requirement for your training and obviously with with running of any distance over that 5k you know you have to think quite a lot about are you eating enough and then when you factor in a weight loss goal obviously to lose weight you have to eat less than you need and obviously that doesn't then lend itself to training and getting the most out of the training hours you're putting in so that's usually their biggest challenge and the reason they sort of reach out to me is because they're just kind of stuck because they don't know what to do because if they drop the calories too low they've got no energy they can't do the training and they kind of you know just feel like giving up so that's kind of the the main thing I sort of come across and what I sort of predominantly focus on when I when I do my work with clients yeah awesome so let me just make this very clear and this is going to be a good one I think for the listeners you've got these ladies who are running a lot but not dropping body fat why is that because you know the normal thing would be well if they're running a lot then they should be the, the fat should be falling off them, right? Or is that not correct? Well, the theory goes that in fact that cardio is not obviously the best 
way to lose weight um that's where the strength resistance training comes in from that change in body composition um mm -hmm. building muscle mass so that when you're losing weight you're losing fat you're maintaining and growing muscle so obviously with a cardio perspective which is what endurance is obviously based on that's where that little sticking point can people can become quite stuck with it and also if they just don't have that that knowledge that somebody like myself and like for yourself as well would have around how to balance somebody's nutrition for the days the weeks factoring in the different training so they're eating enough but still losing weight mm -hmm. and the key thing with endurance is that you have to lose weight slower than someone that's who who is just purely sedentary and has a weight loss goal you can drop their calories a lot lot lower and they'll lose weight quicker because they don't have much expenditure of energy in their day whereas someone that's training a lot running a lot etc obviously you can't expect them to lose weight as quickly as someone that doesn't do anything from an output so yeah it's quite a fine balance to get right but it can definitely be done i mean that's what i do with people we get, we get results so yeah awesome so do the ladies often come to you on too low calories and that's why they struggle and it, or maybe that's what's happened in the past like well i did it on 1200 calories and i'm now dying i can't run i can't run around the block yeah yeah that's another typical thing is that yeah they've in the past tried to drop them too low and very quickly you know the mm. wheels fall off they can't do their long runs especially if they haven't even factored in like a fueling strategy during those long runs that are over that hour mark 90 minute mark as well yeah. so as soon as we start dialing in on the numbers if that's what the route they want to go some people prefer the numbers from the detail aspect which is which is a good way to go it's helpful but it's not for everyone so there's other methods we can use too to still get results but once you start looking at the numbers and then how the macronutrients, so carbohydrate, fat, protein of the day are, you know, where those calories come from. Once we start jigging those specifics, that's when the magic happens. The results start, you know, the scales start dropping, the measurements start shrinking. Mm -hmm. They've got more energy. Their training's more fun. They can run longer and feel better. And they're not like done in for a couple of days after. So you definitely get those final tuning bits in place is, is really key to start that process in a good way. And you've just made a very good point. There was a bit there about recovery, because I think most people don't factor that in, whether they're average every day, Shelley from down the road, or Sally, who's the runner, we don't often think about recovery. And how important is that? Oh, that's absolutely massive. Like for anyone doing any form of sport, but particularly for endurance, because if you're following a good plan or you've got a coach who's writing your plan for you week upon week, you know, you're going to have a variety of different intensity sessions within there. So you, even if you're doing a marathon, you still need to do a little bit of speed work, a bit of tempo stuff, just so you've got that top end speed and that strength that the, the speed sessions build with you as well. Alongside having obviously the longer, slower runs at the pace your race will be at, etc. Yeah. So recovery is really important because it's quite often you'll have another session the next day and the next day and the next day. So you've just constantly got to be thinking about have I eaten before my session? Have I fueled it during if I need to? Have I then eaten afterwards to aid recovery? Have I how hydrated during the day? Have I eaten enough for all my meals so that I can then perform the next day again? Mm -hmm. So and it's just that cycle. And also meal timing would be a really good one because obviously you don't want to eat too close to your run. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So 
I mean, everyone's slightly different with, you know, what they can intake and then the time they need to leave between, you know, eating and running. But typically the more you eat, obviously, the longer you need to leave. So, yeah, meal timings is definitely um, a, a big area of consideration that I look at with, with clients. Um, again, factoring in the lifestyle, job commitments, work, life, mm-hmm. family, etc. Um, but if, you know, if people struggle with meal timings, the key things to think about is, I've got an hour before I'm going out for my run or 30 minutes. What is something small I can eat just so I've got energy available as I step out the door to do my hours run or, you know, whatever it is you're doing. So just little snacks like a banana or piece of toast or a slice of saurine, you know, malt loaf, anything like that. It doesn't have to be complicated. So when I have those conversations with people, they're like, oh, that's really easy. I can totally do that. Whereas I think people try and make or think nutrition is like quite complicated and, that's kind of like one of my big like aims of what I do is to just keep it as simple yet obviously effective as possible mm-hmm. um, just to I don't want to add any more stress to people's lives I just want them to feel better get results that they they want and you know feel good about what they're doing and they can then do it forever so so do you often get people come to you and go Lindsay this looks a bit too simple like surely I need to have some complex plan which means I need to eat at 801 <laughs> with this much carbs do you get that often I've never had that but people will always like I'm so glad it was so simple yeah so I think probably people's expectations are it's going to be complicated and then what I do with them and you know you know it's a bit of education as well so they actually learn about why the certain components of food are important how it supports general health as well as you know their endurance uh, sport they're doing so they're always grateful that it was simple didn't add any more stress to their life because most people have got, you know, a fair level of stress anyway. So, yeah. got it. All right. So I'm going to switch lanes a little bit now. I'm going to talk about you. Me. Um, cool. Well, a little bit about you, and then stuff <laughs> that relates to you. So, um, you've you've had some injuries in the past, right? Yes. So how do you a deal with recovery? Because I know you runners are like, if you can't run, you tend to go a bit crazy. That's why having a bike's helpful because I can usually cycle instead. Ah, <laughs> nice, good idea. So cross training is always a good shout. Yeah. yeah. So do it. So doing different sports or different yeah. activities actually complements the running. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, oh. the bike for me when I started doing that probably about four years ago now, four or five years ago. Um, just because of the training I was doing, it was it was quite high intensity stuff. Um, but my leg strength improved massively because it was so, such targeted training. But then my running, I got quicker because my legs were stronger and I could do, you know, run faster paces. So it lended itself real nice mm-hmm. across to running. And then, you know, from a recovery point of view, I'm not currently training hard with running. But if I was, I could use an easy spin on the bike as a recovery session like the next day. if yeah, I needed to. So yeah, so I have done that in the past. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So, so what are you doing now to stay in? Like, tell us about your injuries first and then what yeah. are you doing now to make sure you don't get re-injured and how can it help the people that listen to this episode? Cool. Um, so I had really bad shin splints um, mm-hmm. in 2019 summer, which was pretty miserable and depressing time, to be fair. Uh, my boyfriend... <laughs> sorry that feels like a very long time ago like 2019 yeah last year kind of didn't count so 2020 didn't happen folks with anyone listening 2020 doesn't exist (laughs) so in that way it's quite quite close um and also at at that same period of time that summer my boyfriend also came off his bike and broke his collarbone so we were both super miserable 
sat at home watching Netflix in summer when invariably we would obviously not <laughs> not be doing that. We'd be out and about, you know, for most of the our days of the weekend. So shin splints sucked. Um, I had to wait ages for sort of x-rays, MRIs to check it wasn't a stress fracture. Thankfully it wasn't, but that took a fair few months to have all the appointments and the waiting times, etc. So it's like, okay, it's not a stress fracture. Great. What do I do now to because it was still like painful and it was, you know, it's not fun at all. Um, So I saw an osteopath Mm -hmm. and essentially my pelvis was, I was like this, I had a leg length difference. I was a bit twisted as well. And my shin had started to like twist inwards to compensate for what was happening in the hips. Essentially I was a bit of a mess in that respect. So um, I had intensive treatment with her for like six weeks just to sort of realign and adjust and you know do all the bits that needed doing alongside having a sports massage which was disgusting but effective why was it disgusting (laughs) because the guy had to massage my shin so tibialis anterior i'm trying to massage my shin now just to see so (laughs) off to the you know not not inside to the outside where you've got the muscle around on the edge so that for me it just got super super tight the calf got super tight so between the knee and the ankle that compartment was just solid and obviously the only way to release that is to have some effective but very painful massage so yeah the osteo and the massage like as a combo of treatment got my leg back to a like normal esque area um and then january 2020 mm-hmm. I was given the green light to start running for 10 minutes off-road only. Oh, wow. Yeah. So but I was so happy because <laughs> I could actually do the movement I enjoy to do, you know? Yeah. I've, uh, it's funny because obviously I've just recovered from a, a tasty yes. injury myself. So when I first got my first session from my coach, it was a bit like, what is this? Yeah. So how did you cope with not being able, the frustration of not being able to to start running again? I was okay because I think, I think it'd been such a long time. It was about six months in the end that I hadn't run and then I, could, I had to stop cycling and everything, it, it got so bad. So I'd done six months, no exercise, just a bit of walking as, as and when I sort of could to sort of start the bit of rehab. And then 10 minutes running off road, I was like, I was just so happy. I was like, I, kn- I, I kind of knew that my starting point would be, you know, pretty small. Um, I almost thought I would be couch to 5k sort of styly for rehab but she was confident in like muscle memory and you know my own um, sensible head <laughs> that 10 minutes would be a good a good place to start so essentially that's what I did um, and then I just I only ran twice a week 10 minutes 10 minutes so I, every third run so every like week and a half I added mm-hmm. five minutes wow and then eventually got to 30 minutes and was like, I feel like a runner again now because the 30 minute, you'd, you'd pop out for just an easy 30 minutes if you're short on time. And then I just slowly edged myself, you know, 40, 45, 50, an hour. And you're like, yes, an hour. And then I've just basically since that point stuck to off-road running. I now just trail run. I don't run on pavement. Okay. Unless I'm really short on time. Yeah. I just need to go out of my door and do a run rather than drive a few minutes to to the edge of the forest where we live. But um, yeah, so it was um, an interesting 
experience to go through. I view it as a, at the time it was horrendous, but looking back, it's definitely, you always learn from stuff like that, didn't you? So um, I think for me, it's with any little niggles, just get them checked straight away. Like I had like a bit of a, a niggly shin on and off uh, for quite a few years. So when I would have an event kind of like, say, summertime, for example, you know, build up the training towards it as the build started and the intensity increased on certain sessions. I just have a bit of a, a sore spot mid shin yeah. mm-hmm. and then it would kind of go away and it would only ever come back on specific sessions. Do my event. Event would be fine. And then obviously training reduces and it went away. So I never I just kind of forgot about it, to be honest, if I'm completely honest. But it was always there every kind of year that I had that, you know, build phase to an event. So big lesson for me is any little niggle, just get it checked. It might be nothing, in which case that's fine, but you don't want it to develop develop into something else, which then leads to a big long rest, which is not fun. So are we saying that prevention is better than cure? 100%. Yeah. So now strength training is a, is a, is a part of what I do um, regularly. So I'd always kind of knew that I should do it. Yep. But when I was training a lot, um, probably about three years ago, there's a bit like a couple of years, I did a lot of training. I was doing quite a few events. So I was doing like three runs a week, three, three bike sessions a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, I need a day to recover. So six, six days. Um, and yeah, it was pro- possibly, it could have been a fraction too much at the time from the strength that I had possibly is this yeah. is a what if you don't know do you specifically but I always knew I should add strength in it was just like well, when can I fit it in yeah um so off the back of injury I was like well I obviously need to work on my weaknesses um so a bit of physio input a bit of osteo input with like specific you know like lower limb leg strengthening stuff um and then yeah and then the key thing again is consistency so as soon as you're consistent with that stuff I was like ah. Oh, my running feels so much better. I feel way better on hills, same with cycling. Um, so it's now a very solid part of what I do. And and obviously you've just input into my strength programming too. Uh, session one done today. Feeling good. Definitely a good session. Until tomorrow. Well, <laughs> she'll be fine. Be fine. <laughs> I'm confident we'll be fine. If I'm not fine, obviously I needed to add a bit more weight. So, you know, either way. Yeah. Either way we'll know. And so that's probably a really good point for everyone listening is that if you like to run, whether you do 100 to 200 metres, which is kind of my, well, I don't sprint anymore. Yeah. You pull a hamstring. But if you're, <laughs> a hamstring would just go. Mm. But at every level, every every athlete is doing some strength work now. We've just seen how much, how yeah. important it is. Yeah. It seriously is important. Um, so at the moment, I don't have any like event focus or races um, I literally just enjoying my running, enjoying my cycling and strength is there twice a week. Um, and I was going to say, that's probably another thing is that from a time perspective, like you don't have to dedicate that much time to it. You don't have to go to the gym. Like you can get basics at home, that's, which is enough to, to tick the box. I'm sure you could delve a bit more deeper into, into that from, from obviously what, what you do with people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, this is about interviewing you, right? But I think we both agree that consistency and people don't need lots of kit to get strong. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, obviously, my my ladies are generally more sedentary, but yeah. even for your ladies, I think you know you can do a lot with a little bit. 
Um, but yeah. then that's why they get a good coach to help them with it. Indeed. Indeed. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So for ladies that come to you who might be in like their 40s, kind of 50, maybe approaching 50s, mm -hmm. my clients will shoot me when she hears this back. Um, 40s, yeah, I said it, I'll just clarify when I said 40s. 40s um, yeah. So would strength training be one of the pillars of making sure that you can keep running very well? Was there anything else that you'd add to that list of things to keep your running longevity yeah yeah sure so essentially as for, for women like from the age of like 30 we actually lose our muscle mass very very slowly but we kind of lose one to two percent every decade from 30 so i'm glad i've started doing some because i'm 35 so i'm kind of in that i'm doing it it's good mm -hmm. um and obviously as we go into 40s beyond you know menopause and all that happens too hormones go crazy um and the, the helpful part of hormones that we used to have in our 20s, um, 30s, which helps with maintaining muscle mass and growing it from a training stimulus point of view, that kind of goes. So you need to really focus on certain forms of exercise to support your body better because you don't have the hormonal profile that used to do it for you on a more natural level. So kind of the key little things that you can bring in or think about bringing in for exercise at that sort of time in life is that high intensity uh, interval training. Mm -hmm. So from like an endurance perspective, that'd be like your sprint sessions, whether that's on the bike or running. So it's like 20 to 90 seconds, like super high intensity work, you know, couple of minutes off to recover. It's like a VO2 max stuff. Essentially, you want to be going hard for the whole duration of that 90 seconds, couple of minutes recovery. So you're fresh ish to go again. <laughs> um, but that's a really good point. Again, I think people, and again, whether the sedentary runners doesn't matter, but I think people miss the point of rest. Like rest is important in this stuff, or if you can't yeah. produce the same force. 100%. That you did the first yeah. time around, yeah? Yeah, because that high intensity stuff's really important. <laughs> Just from like the, the neuromuscular activity within your muscle, you want to be having good forces going through your muscles to help build that strength and that power so that you are strong and able still as you as you get older irrespective of exercise you want to know as you get older if you like fall over on the ground that you can get yourself up I mean that's kind of my aim <laughs> as I get older as I want to just be able to to do life still you know yeah. um, and obviously from an exercise perspective that's helpful too that you're strong um, mm -hmm. for endurance keep yourself going at x pace and then obviously from like a gym perspective and obviously hit training is it's quite a popular thing Anyway, I mean, I don't know much about gym stuff. That's not kind of my realm of, of expertise at all. But hit in the gym, you know, that's if people are that way, more way inclined. And that's a good thing to have in your life at that kind of age bracket. Uh, alongside like plyometric stuff. So like jumping, it's just to get that impact, which is helpful for bone health. Muscles, again, help building that muscle, having that stimulus that you need that is no longer there from on the hormonal profile that you used to have so you've kind of got to be having those um the circuit stuff so like 45 seconds on 15 off move around doing your jumping stuff uh, bounding skipping anything that i guess people probably think is a bit off-putting because of the impact they probably think it's bad but obviously you're not going to go in there and do like a huge huge circuit you you know you speak to the, the relevant coach it would be you know specific to you so that you don't get injured and stuff so plyometrics is another important part of of training as we get older and then alongside resistance training so 
uh, strength work is really important, uh, helping build strength within the name, uh, power, um, anything explosive, which comes from the plyometrics too. But the key thing here, especially with being female, is that we need to lift heavy and low rep. So we don't want 10 to 12 reps, boom, 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 look at me, I can go a day. You want those shorter, smaller rep ranges, higher weights, that it's that high, that big, big stimulus that is going within your muscles that helps build it going forward. So yeah, they're the kind of the three components that as we get older, we need to sort of factor in. Um, and again, you know, if you choose a relevant coach, obviously they'll be able to help you with, the, with those specifics to help with that aging process, uh, which for women is, is quite different, obviously, to guys. So it's a very key things we need to be looking at. Awesome. And are you doing any mobility work? Because I think that's the, <clears throat> excuse me, mobility gets like left to the side, like yeah. the, the poor child. It's like the... Oh, poor mobility. <laughs> Do you, do, yeah. do you have any mobility work in your training sessions? Yeah, so I've done quite a bit of yoga. Um, sort of since the injury I had, um, as well as bringing in strength work, it was like, okay, let's look at my hips a bit more in detail. They always get super tight and have a lot more so in the past year due to sitting a lot more from lockdown, etc. So I do quite a lot of yoga, which kind mm -hmm. of, I guess, hits that kind of mobility-esque, so kind of similar sort of movements. Um, I have mobility in my plan now from yourself. So thank you very much for that. That was fun this morning. Elevated pigeon. Whew. Then I hit the glute. That hit the booty just. Oh, it was needed though. But I've got a bit of a funny left knee at the moment. And that it felt quite restrictive when I do it. But I was just like, I'm just going to really ease it into yeah. it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to help with the knee too. I've um, been having a few bits of massage and poking around the knee. Um, and they're not really sure what's going on. So I'm sure this will help. <laughs> Essentially, I've got a super tight hamstring, super tight calf, and it's just the attachment behind the knee that's kind of causing a little bit of... Just about to say, when it comes to knees, you often find it's like, the knees are earth, this is how I, this is how I say it. The knees are earth, the ankles are hell, the hips and the glutes are heaven. Basically, earth just gets hammered both ways. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a good way to look at it, actually. Yeah. So it's going to be one or other or both. Yeah. It's going to be the way to go. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So one of the things I've heard a lot about, and this is a a lot about, is this kind of people are trying to get like all fat adapted to run. Now, I haven't looked at the science of this stuff, but yeah. my kind of school of thought has always been, you come into up to big events, um, you might want to carb load a little bit, beforehand make sure you've got enough glycogen yeah but now i'm hearing everyone's going all like keto for running what's your thoughts on <laughs> um so yeah so this is a slight trend that, that kind of appears within endurance especially kind of more triathlon i think okay. um possibly the ultra running world that possibly ultra running that's a whole other ball game so we won't go into that but from just a, like a general normal person perspective you know we're we're not going to be winning races. We're not going to be, you know, on the podium or anything like that. Um, predominantly, there might be some people that will. But I would always say no to keto for endurance, mm -hmm. um, purely because um, most of your training that you do, e e even if you don't track this stuff, like number-wise, most of your training you do will be above 65% of your VO2 max, which is essentially heart rate related um and as soon as you tip over 65 percent of your of your vo2 max your max heart rate 
you start using glycogen to fuel your muscles to move. Mm -hmm. So unless you're very specifically training under 65% of your max heart rate, which is then going to be utilizing fat more than carbohydrate, then there is no benefit to going keto at all because all your training is going to be using carbohydrate. And if you're not giving your body carbohydrate, you're just going to be suffering. Yeah, makes sense to me. Okay, got it. Yeah, so, so actually maybe people should use heart rate monitors maybe when they run as well. Yeah, possibly. It depends on the person. I mean, most of the people that I work with kind of would have a Garmin watch because that does multiple multiple probably too many things uh from a from a metric perspective but yeah you can monitor certain things like that quite easily if you if you wanted to and you're interested in it um so when i touched on ultra running that's possibly an area that keto might work purely because it's such a long duration yeah you know an ultra marathon um that there'd be bigger portions of that race event that you might be in that under 65 percent of your max heart rate but again it's based on an individual person the people that are winning it they're going to be above their 65 percent max so they so they wouldn't need to be doing keto but it's a consideration but one thing i would say about keto is if you're thinking about it then i would definitely talk to some some people in the know so if you've got access to like a university lab or you've got access to sports scientists or physiologists that can really explain it to you and maybe monitor you during that type of process mm-hmm. um i would go that route with it rather than trying to do it yourself because you could you could end up just feeling pretty crap and just not hitting you know what you want to achieve from your your events the training you're doing purely because you're not fueling correctly so got it awesome avoid so, essentially yeah but just don't do it people. Just, yeah just say no to keto um mm. whether, whether you run or not people whether you run or not just say no <laughs> just, just leave it i mean carbs are great who doesn't want to have a bit of cake you know exactly Mash- on keto no cake exactly it's, what's your favorite cake carrot cake okay i thought it'd be chocolate cake for some reason i do like a brownie i'm not gonna lie I, do, I like cake. I'm just put it out there. I do like cake. You're just going to eat cake, right? Just whatever cake you get. But carrot cake is the usual one. Like if I'm in a cafe, mm-hmm. usually it's carrot cake. Carrot cake or brownie. Got it. Yeah. What about you? I don't really eat cake. Oh. What's your like sweet treat then? I feel like I'm under pressure now. <laughs> Wine gums or like jelly type sweets. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah cool. But I go to the pick and mix at the cinema. It's all over. Uh... It's all over. So cool. yeah. um, now you've just thrown me off my whole train. That's sorry. <laughs> now I'm wine gums. I'm like, oh. um, so what are the kind of big myths that kind of people come to you and they're like, they've tried this or they've heard this. What are the big myths that you hear about often for losing weight, especially? Carbs make me fat. I can't eat carbs. Oh, that, that's, that's very, very common. I think that's very common just in fitness world sport generally um and you know i understand where they're coming from because you think of a particular age person 40s 50s the amount of their life they've kind of been fed that information from poor sources um i.e the news or various magazines and stuff you know celebrities poo-pooing things that they have no knowledge about at all so I was just going to say, how do these celebrities poo if they don't have carbs, like no fiber? They probably don't. That's, that can't be good. 
that's definitely not good for you we, we all need to be doing that yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so so that is is quite a common thing that pops up um and it can sometimes be quite a challenge for, for women particularly to to get over it and sort of understand and appreciate why they do need to be eating more carbohydrate in their day mm -hmm. and then fueling their, their their longer runs and they they do there are quite a lot of barriers that that pop up when that sort of topic is approached um but you know over time you know we introduce these things slowly um you know respect the person you know it's well you need to eat that crack on it's you know we're there to support our clients aren't we so you know so we we get there a lot of people you know it takes a bit of time but you know they keep trying little bits extra and and once they then feel the difference in you know how they feel day to day that's a big part of obviously just our life every day and then how much better they feel when they run or they cycle and yeah. they're not flagging for that last 30 minutes 60 minutes of a run or a ride and they feel good right up until they get home and then you know they're not flawed for the rest of the day especially if they've got family activities to you know to do in the afternoon the weekend mm. they actually like i feel alive like this is really good i could just keep going mm. just purely because they've eaten that little bit extra bit of carbohydrate and fueled their exercise um it's always a good moment when that happens it, it sometimes it takes a bit of time to get there but once it does they're they're you know they're sold on it and they're quite amazed themselves. It's actually really funny. So I've had, I've just had two clients do an ultra marathon. So they did, it's like 37 miles one day and then 27 miles the next day. Crazy people. Wow, that's a lot. Where did they do that? The Cotswolds, I believe. Nice. Crazy. That's insane distance. Even one of them is. <laughs> the two. Exactly. I was like, really? But I just, so I literally just messaged them the night before and said, eat all the carbs you can. Just, yeah. just eat carbs. Like, yeah, just don't stop. Yeah. Um, so if I'm approaching a race, let's say I'm going to do a half marathon. Yeah. And then the week of that race, I'm going to taper down my running, I imagine. Yeah. Not so much. Yeah, yeah. When would I start kind of loading up the carbs? How would I start doing that? Just as a theoretical for, for people. So for a half marathon it would probably depend more upon how long you think it's going to take you hmm. so for someone that's you know super fast they'll probably be doing it in like hour 15 hour 30. so for be, that and let's say actually i'm going to be really specific now it's one of my clients so when she listens back to this she'll love you for yeah so she's aiming for a one hour 50. cool perfect yeah so one hour 50 i wouldn't say you need to worry too much about carbohydrate loading compared to like a marathon purely because the marathon you know four ish five hours depending on the person so for one hour 50 it would just be i would say the the day before just making sure that you're definitely having carbohydrates all your meals so breakfast lunch dinner carbohydrate snacks in the day which probably are there anyway if you're used to running and, and training um possibly just having a fractionally bigger portion of carbohydrate at dinner so that might just be an extra spoonful of the pasta or rice that you have, you know, whatever you're having with your food. But for, for a half marathon, you don't need to worry too much about carbohydrate loading because all it's going to do is you're just going to feel pretty full um, and a bit lethargic potentially the next day for the morning race. Okay. Um, but a good little tip for any race is possibly thinking about flipping your dinner and lunch around. So you have your bigger volume of food at lunch. So like your dinner at lunch. Mm -hmm. 
just so you've got a bit more time for it to digest and for you to feel light and empty. yeah I was like empty not empty you don't want to be empty of, of energy but, you know I mean. <laughs> yeah light and ready to go that sometimes is quite a good tactic for some but again you can test it in your training that's always the best thing with food is to pick a weekend when you're probably doing more, like your last long run and then just think right what would I want to eat the night before my race would I prefer to have that at lunch and just test it and see because you don't want to be eating stuff that you know you're gonna have stomach issues with <laughs> We, we don't want to be dealing with that on race day. So oh, oh, no, that doesn't sound like fun. Okay. So definitely use training to sort of test, you know, like pre-race dinner, maybe flip it around to lunch, but give it a, give it a test is the best way to figure that out for yourself. Ooh, that's a ninja tip. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a couple of more questions. Cool. So one of the things I think, and I'm just diverting back to strength training because it just came into my head. Mm-hmm. One of the things I often don't see is that a lot of ladies don't do enough single leg training because like running is a lunge, essentially. Yep. Essentially, you're just skipping, aren't you? One leg. Yeah. So do you think ladies need to do more kind of split squat lunges, that kind of work in their training? Yeah, I mean, it'd definitely be helpful. Um, maybe don't go straight in at it, obviously, depending on the individual, their starting point, uh, maybe two legs first versus single. Um, but again, that's where, you know, a trainer would would be able to advise specifically to the individual but yeah definitely uh anything more specific to running uh leg strength is always important irrespective of gender but probably more specific for for women just because it's probably not such a typical thing that we might think to do in the first place yeah i think i find a lot of women when it comes to and ladies please don't kill me i know this is the age of you can't say anything about the opposite sex nowadays but (laughs) I think women do struggle with the balance aspect of like lunging movements and stuff. So um, then they get a bit disheartened if they can't do it. So yeah, yeah, and that's but that's just genetics. That's we've got wider hips, cue angles wider. You know, knees fall in easier because of just how we we form during puberty. Um, so that kind of makes it even more important to to, to focus on because you know invariably you need to strengthen your adductors to keep your knees out because yeah. um, we very easily go in and when you run it's very typical that a woman on her back stroke the leg flicks out from the knee out uh-huh. again because that knee just tips in a bit ah i'm gonna look out for that now when people yeah are... you know you need to do your adductors <laughs> awesome but you've got super tight hips as well so yeah because yeah. we sat all day as well yeah yeah which is so yes yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely um a good consideration for for women to think about strength training and i think a lot of women they fear it because they don't want to get big and muscly. But we can't. We haven't got the right hormone profile. We haven't got enough testosterone. And to get big and muscly takes a lot, a lot of work over many years in the gym. Um, a whole so, lot of food. And a whole lot of food. What is that? you got to eat. Yeah, a lot. A lot of food. It's kind of like just your job is to eat food, isn't it, when you're trying to... Pretty much. Grow. You just train and eat. You would yeah. never run in. That'd be like, what? Why? Well... Yeah, exactly. That's, that's eating time I could be using. Exactly. I've got to get my <laughs> awesome, Lizzie. So thank you that you've been like an absolute goldmine of info. Um, so before we give everyone your details so they can stalk you on the internet and stuff mm-hmm. and find out more about your awesome service, I've got one question for you. What's the worst exercise you have in your life? What's the exercise you hate the most? Um, 
I think burpees because I just don't see the point. <laughs> As in, because I do running, cycling. I mean, I don't ever do them because it doesn't. I don't think it lends itself to what I need. But I've done them in the past when you know, if you just do something for fun, burpees and. I understand why press-ups are important, but I am so weak at them. I didn't do my press-ups today, sorry. <laughs> I started doing them and was like, oh, sorry. We'll talk about that honest. camera. We'll talk about <laughs> camera. To a coaching call. Um, no, that's awesome. So just tell people where they can find you, where they can find out more about your awesome service. Cool. So I'm on Facebook. So I am Lindsay Newbold. So search for me, uh, add me as a friend. Um, and I've got a group as well, free Facebook group, uh, which is, you can see it on the top of my page um, as well. That's got loads of kind of bits like we've talked about today, but also a lot more depth within fueling, running, um, how to lose weight, etc. There's loads of, loads of stuff in there, all stored up, ready for people to view when they come in. Um, and I'm on Instagram too, um, Lindsay underscore Newbold. And that's about it for the moment on online, yeah. Perfect, thank you. So yeah, thank you for, for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, anytime. We can, we can, we can just sit and talk about any of this stuff for hours. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but with this stuff, but no, thank you very much for coming on. You've got, got some ninja tips. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll have to get you back on again at some point. Cool stuff. Yeah, happy to chat. We can really drill into some stuff. So fantastic. Awesome. Thank you very much. So, ladies and gents, if you're listening. Make sure you hit the review, share this with, with your friends and family, especially those people that run um, and they can find out about how awesome Lindsay is. All right, see you soon. Bye. Bye.